Many of whom I often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Welcome to the Pactum. I'm Mike Grimes and I'm here with Pat Abendroth. And today we're going to be talking about enemies of the gospel. Otherwise known as gospel enemies. Uh, gospel enemies, enemies, enemies yes, of the gospel. Yeah. Yes. Before we go there, Mike, Mike, how was preaching last Sunday? Preaching Talk to was, me. It was good. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'm getting more comfortable the more and more I do it. Uh, the prep was different. I was telling you earlier today that the prep was different. I had been prepping, ready to do the sermon. It's like 40,000 degrees below zero, blowing snow, roads are slick, so we canceled church. And then I had a week where I was ready, but still hadn't, you know what I mean? Like the trying to keep it fresh in your yeah. mind thing. So it was yeah. different. It was a different experience, but I enjoyed it. The, mo- it the momentum wasn't quite where you thought it was going to be. Right. It was yes. a false start. It was. It was a false start. Canceling yeah. church. That wouldn't have happened if I would have been in town. Well, you know. May, maybe it would have. <laughs> it was something. Yeah. It was an ordeal. I was uh, in the Omaha airport for 15 and a half hours. 15 and a half hours record. in so the airport? Maybe we would have canceled it. Man. Anyway, and great and time in San Diego with some friends, hanging out, eating some great food. Crashed my bike once and bled a little and got mad. But Crashed hey, your bike? You know, they're just kind of how you – it's not when – it's not if you crash. It's, it's when. when you crash. Oh, okay, gotcha. But that all happened. Is the bike okay? That's important. The, it, it was really important. <laughs> we were 40 miles from home. So, uh, yeah, 40 miles into an 80-miler and uh, crashed. I was so angry. I said the word shoot mm. carefully like 100 times, mm. like spasmatic. Just because I was, as Bono would say, adrenalized. You were adrenalized. (laughs) (laughs) But it's good to not be too hurt. It's good to not have too hurt of a bike. And it's good to be back on the Pactum with you. And what we're doing today is on the heels of our Vital Gospel Doctrine series, we're talking about things that are related, related topics. And today, a related topic is enemy would be enemies of the gospel Mm -hmm. or gospel enemies. Uh, And when we say gospel, we mean the good news about Jesus. That is who he is and what he's accomplished. So that deals with the matters of his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. The good news that is good news to sinners like Mike and Pat Mm. and uh, to be received by faith. And what we want to do today is talk about people who are opposed to the gospel because we think it's a good follow-up. Right. Because there are opponents. So we're going to look at biblical texts that talk about enemies of the gospel. We're also going to talk about what makes one an enemy of the gospel, Mm -hmm. motives, Examples, enablers, and so, and so much, much more, more <laughs> on the Pactum today. What episode are we on? We're on we are episode? on Happy Birthday episode. Happy Birthday number three to the Pactum verse. This I, is episode one hundred and fifty-six. Seriously, this is our third birthday. I yep. didn't know that. We've been doing the Pactum for three years. I just thought of that the other day. I was well, like, wow, we should congratulate ourselves. Or Happy do birthday, something. guys! We did it. Pretty pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Go give us five stars because it's our third. Br- that doesn't sound right. That but, is weird. And you, could you know, you it. celebrate on the fives, right? The fives, okay. the tens. The, yeah. So I can't believe we're doing it. Episode one hundred fifty six. Yeah, gospel enemies. So Growing as per learning, yes, as per usual, we have questions that we're going to work our way through Indeed, to help us do. address these matters. So let's get it rolling with the first question. Given how great the gospel is, and it is, and it is, how could there really be such a thing? as an enemy of the gospel. Talk about baffling to the mind. I mean, it is is the good news regarding redemption, salvation to sinners like Mike and Pat and you, Pactum listeners. Why would anyone 
in their ever-loving <laughs> mind <laughs> think that this is not good. Well, the reality is it, it actually does happen. And maybe we should start by acknowledging the fact that the gospel is objective. It is objectively true. It is exclusive. Mm. And so if you're opposed to it, um, that that would make you an enemy, I guess. Right. right? Just, yeah. just mm. by the way of logic. So John 3, 16, the famous verse, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, that's telling us a lot of things, but it's telling us that this is how God has chosen to love the world. Hmm. Yeah. But, and I might say, but I think he should do it a different way. Mm. Well, now I'm automatically, by definition, I'm, I'm opposed, to opposed to God's yeah. way. So, or the exclusivity, John 14, 6, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by him. So it's possible to be a gospel enemy because... It's possible to oppose objectivity and exclusivity. So let's at least start there. Right, yeah. We could also say it's um, it's possible because, you know, sin perverts our minds. Satan yep. blinds our minds. Pride is real, folks. Greed is really a factor. There's a lot of money in religion. And uh, deception is real. There's such a thing as deception. So I guess it's possible to be opposed to the gospel because of its objectivity, uh, because... Sin just messes up the world. Right. You would think if you hear good news for you, a sinner, and how to be redeemed, how to be reconciled to God, everyone would say, awesome. Awesome. Yep. That's great. I'll get behind it with 100% of my energy and enthusiasm. But it doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. So strange, strange world. I know I've mentioned it before on the Pactum. When I first was converted, I thought everyone would be thrilled. Hmm. Like yeah. everyone yeah. I met in the gym, in my family, anyone and everyone would say, oh, and that makes sense. And I, I believe it too. Sure. Yeah. So right. it's just, it's not how it rolls. Right. No. But yeah. we as believers think this is, this is such amazing good news. Right. How, in one sense, rhetorically, how could anybody be against it? Right. Yeah. Sin. Sin. <laughs> yeah, well, as you're talking about it, I was thinking about, I mean, Romans 8, right? Uh, born in sin, we're God's enemy, naturally, yeah. right? And we're not, we're not into these things. We mm-hmm. wouldn't, by birth, be all about the gospel and God and his ways. And so kind of naturally in that enemy status. Yep. Yeah. So. so I float between Romans 5 and Romans 8. I know Romans 5 talks about enemy. I don't know if Romans 8 does. But here's <laughs> I, the... I missed that up. It is Romans 5. <laughs> Thank he, you for the but correcting. But here's the it's thing, Romans Mike. 5. Here's the thing. <laughs> There's so much overlap and beauty between 8 and 5, uh, right? Yeah. 8, 1 and 5, 1, I get mixed up all the time because... They kind of teach the same thing. They, they really, yeah. So I got you, man. Thank you. That's I appreciate why we do it. this together. See, I didn't have any coffee yet today. No caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where? Well, let's move on. Let's dig into the Bible. Let's go to it. Uh, where does the Bible address the issue of gospel enemies? So if you want to follow along with us, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, multiple verses. We're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, Galatians chapter 1, we're going to dig in a little Mm -hmm. bit and see that this is a biblical issue, a biblical matter. There are those who are called enemies. There are those who are called dogs, even, Uh, not Pomeranian kinds or poodle kinds, (laughs) dangerous kinds. Um, So we're going to go ahead and see that. There are those who are considered liars. So how about Philippians chapter 3, which is what I quoted in the opener, 
Mm. It says in verse 17, brothers, join in imitating me, the apostle Paul says, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies. There it is. Enemies of the cross of Christ. In Mm. other words, enemies of the gospel of Christ. No doubt that's what he means. And then it does say, tragically, their end is destruction. Hmm. So they're not just, um, you know, misled on a small matter. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. I don't like that word belly. Mm. It's kind of gross. It is gross. Um, Okay. And their glory is their shame, right? It's their appetite is what he's getting at. Their glory is their shame with mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship, by way of contrast, is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Hmm. So in contrast to the bad, we have the good, uh, and it's in the context of you trust in Christ and Christ alone. It's not Christ plus something. We're a lot, we're waiting upon God to do the work who's done the saving work to begin with. But when it's somehow what we do, when it's somehow our work's contributing and we say things like that, we are putting ourselves in the status of enemy. Hmm. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of – it's extra sad that it says many. So apparently these are people who are not just a few people that the Apostle Paul was warning against. And I think he's also teaching, right? He's warning against them, but he's saying, and and don't follow them. This is the right way. Follow me, follow other good examples I've pointed out to you. And it's worth the wait, even though you might be the most popular cat in town in the here and now. (laughs) It's worth the wait because the transformation, glory, all of those those things will come when our Savior returns. Hmm. Yeah. So no small problem. And then if we back up a bit to go to Philippians 3.1, he talks about dogs where he says in 3.1, finally, my brothers rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you as no trouble to me as is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Hmm. Look out for the evildoers. Uh, Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Mm. Right? Yeah. Graphic and gross. Yeah, right. So he is warning against enemies. He's calling them dogs here, evildoers, mutilators of the flesh. It's kind of interesting. He's not saying, and you know, as long as you're religious or spiritual, it's better than not being religious or spiritual. Um, No, if you're not trusting in the one true Christ for salvation, the true gospel, religion is not enviable or admirable. It's actually not a good thing. Hmm. It's, it's a bad thing. Right. Yeah. So even, even in this case, if he's talking about people who were requiring circumcision to somehow be justified, uh, he's actually saying that that it's bad. It's awful. So what once served a purpose as a type in the old covenant, uh, circumcision, he's just saying now that once good thing, if viewed rightly is now a bad thing because he just calls it all, all you're doing is mutilating your flesh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it is. It's an ew moment. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this wonderful passage. I mean, if you keep reading in Philippians chapter three, I know we're trying to focus on the negative today, but Mike and Pat are so positive. We are always <laughs> that it, re- it really is great when he says what he says after that gross mutilation thing in verse three, for we are the circumcision, uh, who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. That's one of my favorite definitions of a Christian. Hmm. No No confidence confidence in the flesh. The gospel calls us to look to the good news of Christ and what he's accomplished. So we put all of our confidence in him. Hmm. 
and we put zero confidence in anything that we do, religious or otherwise, a Christian, uh, dear listener, is someone who puts zero confidence in the flesh. If there's any room for personal confidence or confidence in anyone other than Christ, we're talking about the wrong thing. Right. That's yeah. what we would say. It's an enemy of the gospel kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And he goes on and on talking about all the things that he did that you would think he should be able to put confidence in, but he doesn't. Right. Then he says he suffers the loss of all things and count them as rubbish mm-hmm. in order that I might gain Christ, not having a righteous... Oh, this is maybe yes. the best yeah. part. Yeah, 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 it is. Here it is. Not having a righteousness of my own, not having a legal obedience of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Mm. God provides the legal obedience through the obedient one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who didn't come to abolish the law, as we talked about recently. He came to fulfill the law. Mm. It's awesome. It's good. So I do love the gross passages, and I do love the false teaching passages, because what does it do? It it, it allows us to learn the right thing. Right, yes. It provides a great backdrop. Yep. Mm -hmm. So more biblical texts, we could probably go on and on, but maybe let's at least do a couple more important biblical texts when it comes to enemies of the gospel, those who oppose the gospel, those who are false teachers like the false prophets Jesus warned about in Matthew 7. You want to tee up the next text, Mike? Yeah, next one we could look at here is 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5. Uh, It says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith. By devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars. Oh, maybe just, I'm going to interrupt you there. So, right. So it's not, that that would be a synonym for enemy. Yeah. Right. A synonym for the, you know, rabid dogs that are dangerous dogs. Now he calls them liars. Right. Yeah. They're liars opposed to those who are in the faith. Telling the truth about Christ, the faith. So, okay. Good. Yeah. So this happens, verse two, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with. With thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So those opposed to the gospel, mm-hmm. enemies of the gospel, putting all these extra uh, requirements and things on people, burdens on people, law, if you will. Isn't it, isn't it noteworthy to acknowledge they're liars? And you expect the Apostle Paul to go on and say, because they deny the Trinity. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Which would make them liars and yeah, would yeah, make so them would. insincere. Right. But it seems so, I don't know, like not that big of a deal, right? Mm. But he calls them insin- through, the in- through the insincerity of liars with seared consciences. What do they do? They forbid marriage uh, somehow in the name of spirituality. Right. Yep. Right. Um, and they require the abstinence of certain foods again, it, because it's of some spiritual benefit. Right. And the apostle Paul just, you know, locks and loads and blows it out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. So if you add two and you say somehow we're going to put confidence in anything else other than the finished work of Christ, right. because you're good at saying no to desire. So you don't get married. Um, you're super countercultural, So you don't get married, married. You took a vow of chastity because you really want to suffer and, you know, somehow go without, so you're going to forbid marriage, or you say you can't eat certain foods, dietary, dietary, hard to say, diet, it's hard to be on a diet too, certain (laughs) dietary restrictions. And he says, you know what? Those people are liars Yeah, because somehow now you're able to put confidence in your flesh, borrowing from Philippians. Sure. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And we have religions today that say if you're, if you're super spiritual or you have to hold a certain office, then you don't get to be married uh, or certain times of year or maybe not, maybe all the time. You can't eat certain foods, so you're mm. going to have to go back to the Levitical food laws uh, if you're extra spiritual or not even Levitical food laws, just made up man-made food laws because you know what? We can't eat meat on Fridays or something. Yeah, right. And right. it's all part of a works righteousness kinds of kind of system. And the Apostle Paul mixes, um, I mean, he doesn't pull any punches. Right, it's, he doesn't. That, no. that's, that's spiritual lying. Yep. And you're at, at odds with the gospel at that point in time. Yeah. Maybe one more we could do. I guess we could read the whole book of Jude. We could read the whole so, book of Jude. <laughs> if I had a better accent, I would right now. And listenership would go way up. Hey. But, <laughs> but maybe... Galatians 1 is, is actually an important one. Yes, very much. So. so in Galatians 1, 8 and 9, we do have opponents of the gospel, uh, and they're described this way. The Apostle Paul thinks of them this way, and he says to us, to his readers, first of all, initial readers, and then to us, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be to you accursed. Hmm. And then he says the same thing in verse nine, essentially. And so to, to be damned, to be condemned without opportunity for change or reversal. And, uh, there is such a thing as a false gospel, the true Hmm. gospel. It's all of Christ, what he has accomplished on behalf of sinners. So we put all of our confidence in him and any other message that says you must do this, that, or the other thing in addition to, in order to be justified, in order to be saved, uh, that actually means you're under the, the, the condemnation, right. under the anathema of Galatians chapter 1, which is really the anathema of God. These are, these are serious matters, the, and the yeah. Bible does talk about them. We want to be aware of this matter of gospel enemies. Yeah. So as you just said, this is a serious matter, nothing to be taken lightly, uh, something we need to be aware of. And so some of our listeners may be even sitting here thinking, well, you know, we have, uh, you mentioned the Trinity when we were talking mm-hmm. about that last uh, section here with some of those biblical texts. What are some of the doctrinal denials that are worthy of that enemy status? Like, are we saying anybody that disagrees with me is an enemy of the gospel? (laughs) Or is this, there are certain doctrinal uh, places or areas that if you deny this, it's worthy of that enemy status? Well, depends on who you ask. I guess you're asking me. I'm asking you. Well, let's have this conversation. Let's have the conversation. (laughs) Give us the answer here. What's the enemy gospel status qualifier? If we tried to narrow it down to maybe one thing to kind of try to get our minds around it, uh, as I thought about this, I think if we could say it is solus Christus. Hmm. Yeah, Christ alone. So let's start there, Christ alone. So when we think about the solas, so we think about salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, based upon the ultimate inspired revelation of Scripture alone. Mm-hmm. So if we're thinking about those things, if we could say solus Christus, Christ alone, and if we mean it in its proper sense sure. in, yeah. the, in, in, the, in the context, in the list of the five solas, I think we could say it's that um, because he's the right, per- we have to have the right person, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have to have him doing all of the necessary things to reconcile sinners to God. So it's his life and death and resurrection and ascension. And then in that context of solus Christus, it, it's received by us freely, and the only way to receive it freely is to receive it by faith and by faith alone. Mm. Uh, and and that's intended in solus Christus. So I think that might be a good way to think of it. It's the person and work of Christ received, and and all of the confidence is in Him. Sure. So it's received by us uh, by faith. I think I could be comfortable saying. So that, you're saying right? if someone were to deny. 
Solus Christus in this form with here, all of its with all of that out, and that entails. I think that would be a deal would breaker be, for sure. Yeah. Okay. And maybe maybe standards. there are other things. Obviously, you can't you know get the doctrine of God wrong, uh, right? Right. And yeah. be a Christian. Sure. But a lot of that's wrapped up in Christology. So if we're thinking about who mm, Jesus yeah. really is. Uh, and we're talking about the second person of the Trinity. We're yeah. talking about his deity. Think first. Uh, we're talking about his deity. We're talking about his humanity. You could look at John and First John for those things. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to have him as um, the God man. We ha- we could look at the book of Hebrews, his work, his sufficient work, mm, yeah. his complete once and for all work. Uh, Romans and Galatians talks about how we receive uh, his work on our behalf. Sola fide. Um, by grace alone, through faith alone. Mm. So I think that might be a good, quick way. I don't know if we need quick, but a good way that we're trying to simplify things. What doctrinal denials are worthy of enemy status? Any kind of undermining or denial of Solus Christus with all of the yeah. implications. With all, with all that implies. Might yeah. be a, way, a good way to kind of simplify things. Yes, yeah. okay. So what about the issue of motives when we're talking about enemies of the gospel, those who might be, yeah, the motives that they have in antagonizing Mm -hmm. the gospel? So obviously motives are important, um, but I guess I want to give a little bit of pushback, Mike, because sometimes in our day, it seems like motives are the only thing Hmm. that's important. Yeah. (laughs) So let's think about that first, right? You know, as long as they're sincere. Yeah. Well, the Apostle Paul, they, they, they probably are really committed, but he calls, you know, he says the insincerity of liars. Mm, yeah. But they probably are, they, they, they seem pretty sincere. Right. They might be nicer than Christians sometimes. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But it is worth thinking about because in Philippians chapter one, we have those who are preaching a false gospel, preaching a true gospel with mixed motives. Yes, right. Versus those in chapter three who are preaching a false gospel and he doesn't question their motives. Hmm. So I I don't think, and commentators don't think those are the same people, Hmm. but sometimes Christians end up kind of blurring the lines and think, well, you know what? It doesn't really matter because the apostle Paul says, you know, as long as Christ is proclaimed, I rejoice. Philippians chapter one, verse 18. But we would want to look a little bit closer to to that text. It says in verse 15, some indeed preach Christ. Ah, see, they're preaching yeah, they're Christ preaching. Yeah, right. uh, from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ. See, mm. they are proclaiming Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, again, third time, Christ is proclaimed. And in this uh, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. I think it's worth thinking about motives. The Apostle Paul is not saying, isn't it awesome that they have bad motives? <laughs> but yet he's praising the fact that they are preaching Christ, yes. other uh, different from those who are the false teachers. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we would want you to do, Pactum listeners, we would love it if you would proclaim Christ, the yes. true Christ, the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And hey, how about this? Have good motives. Have good motives, right? Yeah. <laughs> but if you could only choose one, <laughs> if you could only choose one and all of our motives ultimately are mixed until glorification, yes. <laughs> preach Christ and uh, start there at least <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for starters. So how can we distinguish then 
between enemies of the gospel and those who might just be misguided friends? For starters, let's do what you alluded to earlier and acknowledge the fact that just because someone disagrees with us doesn't mean we should call them heretics. Right. Yes. <laughs> okay. That doesn't mean they're enemies of the gospel just because they have a different view on something than we have. Yeah. Right. They might just be misguided. And yep. even when it comes to issues that are related to the gospel, we're all learning, we're all growing. Um, and so think about even Jesus' approach to people who were confused, misled, abused spiritually, as opposed to those who were the confusers. Mm. So let's keep that in mind. I think I want to have a different kind of demeanor and attitude and stance toward people who are misled versus the misleaders. Yeah, right. Sometimes the misleaders, though, right, we can, we can help them as well. I'm thankful for God's patience in my life. I have not always taught the right thing about everything. Right, yep. Until now. <laughs> <laughs> So, right? True Christians can err, and true Christians can err grievously. Yeah. Grievously? Grievously. Grievously, there you yeah. Go. yeah. Uh, you know, maybe, Mike, maybe it's a matter of willingness to be corrected. Um, some, yeah, Te- some people, teachable. Yeah. yeah, some people aren't teachable, and you call them on something, and you think they're just misguided or misled or something like that, and they just dig their heels in yes. as opposed yeah. to repent. I think we should be in the habit of repenting as Christians and say, and, and be willing to say, you know what? I was wrong about that. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. The good old happy days Fonzie line, right? <laughs> I was wrong. Again and again and again. I, there's all, I thought it was just in one episode, but I looked at the clip yesterday and our author, no, Arthur Fonzarelli. Arthur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, grow, I grew up on that. So he can't say I was. So are all of our listeners going to know who the Fonz is? I don't know if all of them will know who they the Fonz should is. know. 1950s, right? Yeah. Well, I think it was recorded probably in the 1970s. Yeah. Yes, but it's set in the okay. 50s. I also heard that he can't say I'm sorry um, or he can't say that it was something was his fault <laughs> or that somebody else can win. <laughs> The Fonz. I've seen every episode probably. I, I have no idea. I mean, my, Multiple times. my parents just sat me in front of the TV. <laughs> have a good day, son. <laughs> I can hear the theme song now. What a great show that was. Here's some Fritos. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good to get in the habit of saying I was wrong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, 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 I was wrong. I'm sorry. I'll do better. I'll read more. <laughs> Or whatever it might be, but we're all going to get things wrong. But we don't want to. We, we don't have to keep getting things wrong. Yeah. All right. So let's yeah. talk about examples. Yeah. Maybe this is why you've been tuning in today. Yes. You want to hear what these enemies are? List you them out. Want Tell us. us to name names because you know that's just how you like it. Yeah. Well, some enemies historically we could talk about the Arians. Right. Right. Yeah. They have the person wrong of Jesus, and if you're going to have the person wrong, that's a major problem. That is a problem. You yeah. don't have the gospel, but you also end up you, you'll get the work wrong as well. Yes, right. And so Arianism would be, Arians were enemies of the gospel. It's a serious matter. Pelagians were enemies of the gospel. So it's all works. Arians Mm -hmm. would deny the deity of Christ. Yeah. Um, uh, on the Gnostic side of things, you're going to deny the humanity of Christ and right. other things. So you you have to have both intact. So those would be a couple examples. I've already now blurted it out of my mouth and gotten ahead, Pelagians. <laughs> yep. And so they're going to just say it's just white knuckle it. It's by works that you get in get as long done. as you could do enough works. Uh, we also have semi-Pelagians. So they're going to say it's faith and works. Galatians deals with that. 
the Judaizers would have been semi-Pelagian as far as I'm concerned. It's faith and works. Yep. There are many religions today that are semi-Pelagian because it's faith plus works. Yep. Uh, they're not raw Pelagian saying that people are inherently good. Uh, they believe in sin, but they think that somehow through some effort that they do, um, they can meet God in the middle, mm-hmm. you know, maybe 1%, maybe 50%. 60-40, whatever it is, <laughs> it's semi-Pelagian, and the Judaizers would have been semi-Pelagian. The Galatian heresy is a semi-Pelagian heresy, uh, and, and Machen po- points out something important here. I won't read the whole quotation, but Machen's take, and we would agree, I would agree, um, is that the Judaizers that Paul is dealing with, uh, even though that label's not used, it's what people have used to describe these people he's right, opposing because yeah. they sound Jew. Mm-hmm. So that they wouldn't have had a problem with his high view of Christ. They wouldn't have had a problem with even the resurrection. They wouldn't have had a problem with those such things that are important. Um, but what they had a problem with is they had a problem with solus Christus to the point where nothing must be done by you. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's received freely only by faith. You put no confidence in the flesh, only confidence in Christ. Yeah. And I would agree with Machen. So sometimes I'm, I think it's unfortunate Christians think that somehow as long as we talk about Jesus, as long as we, as long as we talk about faith, it doesn't have to be faith alone mm. uh, or Christ alone. It can be Christ plus what we do. That is not what is going on in Galatians, I don't think. Right. And yeah, we no. also uh, call upon those who've gone before us who might be smarter than us like Jay Gresham. Yes. And he would agree with that. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe one other one just to add to the list, and the list could go on and on and on because there have been all kinds of heresies that are Christological, that are soteriological, that affect the gospel. Um, but another one that's not in the Christian realm, most of these we've been talking about have been in the Christian realm. We could go outside. We could say that Islam has a Christology hmm. and Islam has a view of Christ and a view of salvation. Uh, and they're going to get his person wrong. Yeah, uh, and right. therefore, obviously, they're going to get the work wrong and they're going to get salvation wrong. But they have a definite Christology uh, and it would be sub-Christian. It would be anti-Christian. Uh, you can check out the episode that we did on Islam if you want to yes. do that on the Quran. Yep, for sure. Mm-hmm. So who are some enablers? <laughs> so we're enablers. at a different level now, right? Yeah. So we've got the That's actual right. false teachers. We've got the actual gospel opponents, gospel enemies. But I think think it's important that we talk about enablers. Yeah, yeah. Who's the enabler? <laughs> Give me some names. We like to we like to mention Richard Baxter on the Pactum because yeah. we're not really fans. 1615 to 1691, but he's very famous even in reform circles because of his book The Reformed Pastor. Mm-hmm. He would be a definite en- enabler to gospel enemies. So I don't want to call him an enemy of the gospel, though when you read his worst quotes, uh, all alone, it looks really bad. It mm. looks like um, we've got a problem with salvation being um, somehow not by faith alone. So yeah. there is that, and even some of his Christology is. Do we ever say wonky on the pact? I don't know if we've ever said wonky. Yeah, it's not but... very orthodox. It's not very good. Wonky. It's not very reformed. So I'm going to put him not in the enemy category, but I'm going to put him in the enabler mm, category. The enabler. <laughs> and, you know, there are other, maybe we don't have to name names. We can just say people today who claim to affirm the solas, they claim to be Protestant, they claim to be Christians, evangelicals, to believe the gospel, and yet somehow they redefine faith. Mm. 
and somehow faith includes something like obedience, right, yeah. which cannot be true in light of Romans chapter four, verse five, for mm-hmm. starters. Yep. We also have, so I would call them enemy enablers. En- enemy enablers. Right? They're, they're, they're just carrying water for the other team. Right. Yep. So other, uh, also people who blur law and gospel, mm. um, that's carrying water for the other team, not to mention unbiblical, it's not reformed. Uh, that ends up blurring things and you end up ruining the law and you end up ruining the gospel. Uh, more gospel enemy enablers would be people who might say sola fide, faith alone. But in reality, when you read their commentaries on texts like Romans chapter two, verse 13, you go, what you gave us with one hand, you yeah. took away with the other hand. You seem to be, I'm not saying you're an enemy of the gospel, but you seem to be enabling enemies, yeah, uh, confusing right. people at best. Yeah. There are people like Darby and his followers that reinterpret imputation and somehow the divine attribute is credited to us. I'm not saying he's an enemy of the gospel, but wow, Um, not helpful. Right, Um, yeah. Not helpful at all. So I guess we could go on and talk more about this, but that's probably good enough for now. Yeah. So we'd encourage them to stop Stop. carrying the water for the other team. Stop doing that. Yeah. Stop it already. And you know, a lot of times those same people, if they were having a conversation, for example, with a Roman Catholic semi-Pelagian, so it's Mm -hmm. faith plus works under the condemnation of Galatians 1, if they were having – these enablers were having a conversation with a Roman Catholic friend, I think they would get it right. Because yeah. they would know they need to be clear that yes. it's sola fide and God justifies the ungodly, not those who are, you know, having their faith, you know, be accompanied by good works in order to be justified. Right. So maybe if we could just encourage them to pretend like they're always talking to Roman yes. Catholics. Yes, there you go. <laughs> they're going to get that that works are the fruit, yes. not actually part of the way in. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, a couple more things here. Uh, One more, actually, and then we'll give some resources here. But how can one avoid being an enemy or an enabler? We might have some Pact and Verse listeners out there listening, thinking, I don't want to be an enemy. I don't want to be an enabler. What do I do? I I am that Pact and listener, and I'm not even just listening now, (laughs) but I do hear myself through my... Yeah. All right. right. So if we give you a short list, we're going to say, okay, how can I not not be an enemy? How can I not be helping enemies? Let's just say, let's start by reading your Bible, knowing your Bible, knowing the truth about the gospel, knowing what the true gospel doctrines are. Hopefully we helped you with previous episodes. We're talking about the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ, and all all that those things entail. Those are crucial. They're important. And if you really know what those things are, I think that's going to help you to not carry water for the mm-hmm. other team. Yep, for yep. sure. Or we can also say another one would be on our list of how to avoid being an enemy or an enabler. We could say also be, be aware of history, be informed by yes. the confessions. Uh, what have other Christians, as they fought battles before us, let's not pretend like we're the first ones. Let's learn from them. Uh, let's study historical theology. Let's do so prayerfully. Let's do so thoughtfully, yeah. uh, open bible Uh, As we do these things, but let's learn from others. God gave us gifted teachers, so we want to pay attention. We would also say if you want to avoid being an enemy, avoid being an enabler to enemies, be maybe slow to teach. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, there's a reason why there is to be maturity when it comes to teaching. Yep. So let's be slow to teach. Let's have churches do things like ordination and a process and an examination who is fit to give, you know, watch over the household of God. Sure. Give watch over souls. Yeah. Yeah. How about if we also admit when we're wrong? We talked about that earlier. Yep, we did. Yep. Let's not play the fonts. Let's not play the fonts. No. <laughs> I was 
wrong would be a good thing to do. Uh, how about this one, Mike? Let's also avoid allowing our favorite celebrities to be the standard of orthodoxy. Oh, that's a good uh, one. Let's, not, uh, let's avoid that. Let's also avoid allowing mega conferences mm-hmm. uh, to be sure, what yeah. determines orthodoxy. Yep. That's good. So especially, you know, you have mega conferences that platform people who end up carrying water for the other team. Uh, yeah. And you go, well, yeah. if he's on there, if he's one of their speakers, he must be good. Must be. Yeah. Never mind the fact that he's unorthodox in his doctrine of this, that, or the other thing. Right. Yeah. So um, let's let's pay attention there. Let's also maybe one more unless you're c- coming up with more, Mike. <laughs> I'm stealing it all. <laughs> Let's know that just just saying sola scriptura um, doesn't mean that everything, therefore, you say after you say you affirm that is orthodox. Mm, yeah, sure. So, or, or your favorite preacher. They say, you know, I believe in sola scriptura and scripture alone is the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. Okay, great. Awesome. We're with you. But just because you say that doesn't mean now through your word studies um, right. and doing your lexical work or whatever it is means you are orthodox. Right. You still may end up an enemy of the gospel. You, uh, Arius did. Yeah, I would say heretics have done that, yep. right? Yep, and you still may end up at least being in error, even if you're not an enemy. Right, yeah. So that's why we are big proponents of yes word studies. <laughs> uh, I've spent a lot of money learning languages and things like that, but, but also, uh, and yes, studying the Bible in context, but also paying attention to those who've gone before us, paying attention to those other Christians who are alive now, uh, we want to be confessional Christians in that sense. Uh, as our friend R. Scott Clark likes to say, we do want to read the Bible. We want to read the Bible with the church. Yes, I was just going to say that. Prayerfully reading the Bible with the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sure. that, that's good. Yeah. All right. How about recommended resources? Recommended resources. Here are a few resources we would recommend for you as we're talking about this topic, gospel enemies. In no particular, no particular order. order. First one we have for you is Know the Heretics by Justin Holcomb. I think uh, I've gone through that in a book study with some people before. I think you've used, utilized that book as well. I like that little book. I like that whole little series. Yeah. And then uh, we have Burkhoff coming up with History of Christian Doctrines. First has, time I read that book, I thought it was boring. Yeah. And then I read it later in my Christian life, and I thought, this is genius. Yeah. He's, he's got it all. He's good, man. Um, And then one from uh, J.B. Fesco, uh, our friend here on the Pactum, Justification, Understanding the Classic Reformed Doctrine. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'd encourage you to read that. And then finally, uh, one by Martin Lloyd-Jones, What is an Evangelical? And we chose that one because in that little book, best I can remember, because it's been a long, it's been a spell. It's been a little while. It's been (laughs) over three decades since I've read it. But I do like it that he points out the fact that Christians uh, or evangelicals are known not only for what they're for, but also what they're against Against, because of the logic of things. That's just how things work. If Jesus is the way... um, then there are no other ways. That's right. That kind of thing. So super helpful. Awesome. Well, thank you for being a part of the Pactum verse and celebrating our third birthday here on this episode of the Pactum. You can find more information on the Pactum. You can find our online store at thepactum.org. You can be in touch with us online. You can find us on X at the Pactum, Instagram at the Pactum Theology. You can email us, connect at thepactum.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Pactum.